What's going on, everyone? I'm your host, Christian Black. And I'm your co-host, Matthew Gorichkovsky. And welcome to Season 2 of Our Small Majority, featuring artists, historians, activists, and entertainers alike. Before we get started, don't forget to follow us on whatever listening platform you're listening to right now so you can always be notified whenever new episodes are released. Also, we'd love it if you could leave us a review. Are you enjoying the show? We want to hear from you. Today, we're joined by Andre Key, a video game scout for NBA 2K. Wait, a video game scout? A video game scout or a boy scout? No, a video game scout. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so I've heard of scouts for like the NFL, the NBA, but what's a video game scout? Uh, I don't know. That's why he's going to tell us. But for real though, what does this man do? Shh, it's starting. We're about to find out. You know, believe it or not, uh, players already know the plays that teams run, mm-hmm. right? So what it comes down to is execution. Right. Uh, once in a while, you may get a play that surprises a team because they may be expecting something else. So they have something called counters mm-hmm. where you can run a certain thing a certain way. And then you turn around and flip it, you know, and you run it on the reverse side. It's like mm-hmm. turning over a pancake. Huh. So you're expecting something to happen on this side, and then it happens on the other side. And you know now I have to scramble to try to get to you and stop you. Right. So you'll see things like that happen. Um, you know, among all the other things that are running around, right? But that's not really what it is. Um, all the actions that they perform are actually on purpose. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I would imagine that there's even a whole separate team when you know developing video games just to research different plays has done either recently like in that year or even in the past too that's me that's all me that's all you right there yes um so you can imagine how much video i watch Mm -hmm. you know at a given time uh you can tell certain things as run for a particular player Mm -hmm. you know if you want to know the type of things uh the lakers do for lebron james you can actually look on the game and see what they what they do in real life. You can mm-hmm. see what they run for LeBron in real life. And, you know, a team could take that. You know, they already have guys to watch and scout mm-hmm. and, you know, give player reports and stuff. But you can actually see the same thing in the game. Wow. So, well, what would you say is the oldest, the oldest footage you've ever watched in order to um, do something inside of your fields? What year would that be? Oh boy, the oldest footage, uh, probably somewhere, you know, they have, they have some pretty old teams in the game, mm-hmm. right? As mm-hmm. far back as Jerry West, George Mikan, you know, back in the sixties. So it, mm-hmm. you know, it would be something like that. Right. Right. And did you have to like research a lot of that footage or was it more like, okay, what happened this year? And that's what we're about to include inside of the game. So that's only for the current teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, the older teams are no longer playing. So whatever they did at that time, you know, players right. in the 90s, it's already cemented. So, um, you know, that stuff won't change. But every year, mm-hmm. you know, a coach may, he may put something um, something new uh, mm-hmm. in his strategy. So we have to watch to find out to see what they do. Right, right, right. So it really it's just a game of, keeping the update and you it's sort of your job to watch basketball games and it really is well 
ever since COVID happened, how did that ha- um, affect you? Because once COVID happened, we couldn't gather and right. have any more games. So has there been like a split when it comes to your research? Uh, well, I had enough games to watch because I believe it, it the game stopped uh, somewhere in the beginning of March. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had games from uh, October until March to look at, you know, and gather data from. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was still busy. You know, plus mm-hmm. there are other things, you know, the game has a ton of classic teams, which is older teams, you know, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, uh, Patrick Ewing, all of the old Knicks teams. I had to, you know, look over all those things as well, you know, and then you have to include the WNBA. So I have mm-hmm. to look over those mm-hmm. things too. Right. Dang, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it on is. average, yeah. So on average, when you say, okay, we have a finished project here, my job is done, things like that, because you said it could take hours and hours on the end. How long would it take for you to be completely done? Like, do you do each team individually or do you split it up with other people? Like, okay, you take these three teams, you take three three teams, or do they just all give you all of them? No, I started off that way. Uh, uh-huh. It's me and another guy. And I think I took about half the league, which is about 15 teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the very next year, I, I inherited the entire thing. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, from that point, I kind of got my feet wet, you know, and then I just had to work. You know, I really right. just had to work. So I just put my head down and just worked. And it is a lot. But, you know, if it's something that you love, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like a burden, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it sounds like it's daunting. You know, you're staring at a screen for a long time. It kind of drains you mentally. You know, you have to try to figure out what they're doing because it's real strategy. You know, it's not, um, you know, it's like watching math, geometry or whatever the case may be, you know, because of the angles that they take. And it's a lot of things you have to watch. So, um, you know, it, it, that's why it takes hours. Um, you know, I may have to watch three or four or five games for one team you know, to get a few plays because they may run the same play over and over again, you know, through the course of a game. You know, if I have to grab 50 plays, that's going to take a while. Right. Man, well, with all this knowledge and things like that, going more on a social level, in your opinion, why do you think not only just basketball, but sports in general is such a huge, huge influencer inside of our daily life, whether it comes to like, consumption for products and shoes and things like that and even right now with um when it comes to protesting and kneeling why do you think that has always been a huge huge component of our culture personally i feel like uh sports has the audience for it Mm -hmm. Uh, it's become more popular over the years and it just has a lot of eyes on it um you know and i think it's it I think COVID kind of uh, exposed how much sports consumes people's time, uh, mm-hmm. you know, day to day or throughout the year. You know, when there was no sports and you saw how much people actually watch TV because of sports. Mm-hmm. So they get a lot of screen time, a lot of face time. And, you know, that platform is really huge. So I think that played a part in, you know, you being able to hear from athletes a lot more than in the past. Right. Well, why why do you think it's so important? Is it just entertainment or is there more to it than that? 
It's it's definitely entertainment, but uh, I don't know if you guys remember, you know, and I, I probably dated myself a little bit, but uh, in the mid 90s, Charles Barkley did a commercial, a Nike commercial. And, um, you know, the theme of the commercial is his word would say is I'm not a role model. Mm-hmm. You know, your parents should be a role model. You know, he went on this spiel. So that may have been true at a time. Uh, but, you know, like I said, once sports became more popular, you know, once they started making more money, the responsibility that comes along with that uh, started to change. You know, they became a brand. And, you know, all of these companies and corporations, you know, they started sending out messages and whatnot because, you know, eyes were on them. You know, they didn't want to make a, a mistake. They didn't want to lose customers. So they started paying attention to the things they were saying. So it's the same thing for them. Uh, I think it's important because they have a lot of people watching, a lot of kids, and, you know, a lot of kids look up to them. So, uh, you know, they have to have some type of message. You know, this is a time now where you can't just be silent, not saying anything, because that's kind of deciding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether you decide to take that responsibility or not, it's on you. So the only really decision you have is what you do with it, I guess. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, it, it it does matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone is not as vocal as the next person. You know, some people decide to donate their money or their time or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, whatever ways they can contribute, they do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are some that actually have to have they have to have something to say. Right. Uh, it's, and it's not new. If you remember Kareem. Uh, Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, you know, those guys fought for civil rights. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just on a larger scale now than it was back then. Right. Probably with the help of social media and everything and how everything is at a push of a button. Right. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess another question for you is if social media existed way back then, like how you mentioned Muhammad Ali, since that was already huge to begin with, um during the um civil rights movement if we had instagram facebook twitter all of that do you think that that movement would have been more successful and more impactful with the use of social media i think that you know whatever happened uh as a result of that movement it would have happened faster you know Mm -hmm. and i'm just saying that uh by the effects of social media right you know i just think it would have happened faster some things were taboo back then that aren't now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick, he he pretty much was blackballed from the NFL for, you know, nearly, you know, mm-hmm. and they felt like it was a problem. Uh, there was an NBA player named Chris Jackson. He played in college with Shaq, uh, mm-hmm. changed his name to Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, and he, you know, he became a Muslim. And during the national anthem one time, he decided, you know, he would pray at that time. Mm-hmm. And that was a big problem for the league. You know, eventually he was, he was a, he was, uh, if I could compare him to anyone, I would say he was Steph Curry, you know, at that time. At that so he was time. that good. He was that good. So, you know, eventually they pushed him out of the league. Actually, it didn't take very long. You know, he never got back in. Now that would never happen today. Mm-hmm. Not in the NBA, but at that time, you know, it was more taboo. So, you know, he was kind of fried for what he wanted to do. Right, right. Uh, well, now that you mentioned that, because I didn't even know that one, uh, what are some other examples? Could you think of other examples 
that like during a national anthem or like a huge thing in order to represent um, nationalism, someone did something during a sporting event that was out of the ordinary? Uh, it hasn't really been much. Um, you know, that's why you can kind of point out those two specific examples. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you see players locking arms now. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see a, a player kneel, you know, a player stand beside him and, you know, with his hand on his shoulder. You know, those things are, um, you know, it's like I said, it's not that it, it never happened before. It's just happening more mm -hmm. now. And, you know, because it's more exposure, you know, now everyone can see it. And right. the effect may be a little bit different which is great because, you know, the next generation coming up, um, you know, they're more open, they're more about diversity. Uh, you know, they think about things a little bit more, which is great because, you know, people need to grow and evolve. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, let me ask you this when it comes to Kobe Bryant. So after he passed, of course, that affected a lot of people, not only Laker fans, but everyone. And it was a global thing too. Now, when it comes to exclusively the Black community, why do you think Kobe Bryant was such an important icon, not in just basketball, but also Black representation too? Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. Before I answer that, uh, you know, I was, um, I was on my uh, anniversary trip at the time we find out he had passed. And uh, that kind of that ruined the day for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we were going to pick something up to eat. We were headed back to our hotel. You know, and my daughter sent me the news. Uh, I was kind of heartbroken about that. Um, I think anyone that, that excels in the sport that they play in, speaking of athletes, um, you know, accomplish things that, that you know, and at a level not many people are able to do. Uh, and the inspiration that they give, I think that's why it's such a big deal. Uh, you know, especially for... Um, blacks and 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 minorities in particular, um, you know, Kobe's come from Philadelphia, you know, so mm -hmm. he went to Lower Marion High School. You know, this is a guy plenty of people they were in class with, mm -hmm. you know, and they saw him grow up. They watched his growth and development, you know, over twenty years as he became the person that he was. They watched him get married and have kids, and you know, so they could identify with that. Um, you know, and when you see that, it, it does make you feel like you can conquer the obstacles that are in front of you, you know, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be sports, but, you know, just life in general. Mm -hmm. And he he began to hit a, spot, a, a stride, inspiring people at the time that this happened. So, you know, it hit even harder. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it definitely did. And then even with, because I remember saying after he passed away and then after John Lewis passed away and then all, a bunch of other, you know, either black actors or black um, civil rights leaders or black athletes were either passing away or something horrible happened to him. I was like, dang, can the black community get a break? Like during <laughs> this, so, like, that's literally what came out of my mouth. I'm like, can we have a break please? Like just chill for like three seconds. Yeah. Um, because, you know, with the whole civil rights or the civil unrest going on right now, um, people feel like that it's brand new, but it's not. Um, and I feel like the most powerful thing about sports and the sporting events, like what you said is, um, since it's being done more now, it's not only 
you know, contained inside of Black America. And that it's not only our experience anymore. It's right here inside of a sporting event, which, right. which has a, you know, a whole stadium filled with different people from different places, different backgrounds, things like that. And it's in your face. Um, and one thing that I wanted to make mention of is just taking the national anthem inside of consideration. So in my opinion, and I know that I hear this with a lot of people, they're like, well, why do we even have the national anthem? Especially if it's causing so much anguish and, you know, we, we're so divided over a song. Right. Right. So, and I really thought about it because the national anthem isn't sung in other countries during sporting events. Like you don't hear Britain sing their national anthem while they're about mm -hmm. to play a game of rugby or something like that. Right. Um, so after doing some digging, um, I found out that the national anthem was actually sort of brought around sporting events and it was a common thing to do in order for propaganda during um, World War II. Um, and it was to help you know, recruit people and people made that association with sporting events to the country. And then later on, corporations started using a national anthem for profit. Right. Um, and that's why it's a huge deal at sporting events now. That's why um, we get celebrities even to even douse the fires even more to sing the national anthem. Right. Um, so with knowing that, how do you think people will react if we change the national anthem or removed it? Uh, you know, you're always going to have people indifferent to change. So, mm -hmm. you know, that'll just be another thing that would have people split. Uh, even though it's, it may or may not be uh, that important to play at a game. I don't know if you guys ever been to live games before or anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it doesn't last very long or anything like that. And to me, it's not anything to get riled up about. You know, but if, say, you have a guy like Carl Lewis, you know, Olympic champion, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he sang the national anthem one time and sang it pretty bad and he booed him mm -hmm. uh, pretty badly. You know, that's that's the level that people take it to. But, you know, it's just never gotten to where it is now. But I think there there will always be a divide just the way people's uh, perception of what being proud of your country is. Um, you know, here in America, you know, we stand for particular things. And sometimes those things don't always mean the exact same thing, you know, from person to person. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's where the divide comes in at, you know, but it, I don't know what it is, but people don't respect other people's choices now. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's like, you shouldn't do this, but I'm not telling you, you can't do what you're doing. Right. Right. So, and you know, until we actually start respecting each other, um, it'll always be that way. But in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the singing is a problem. I think you're right. It's, it's like, if you kneel, like that's, you know, go, you know, that's your choice. I don't see why people should be so mad about that. You know, like, and it's the same people that are like, you know, oh, my second amendment rights. And then they forget that, you know, there's also first amendment freedom of speech, you know, and <laughs> right. like, if you want to exactly. kneel for the flag or for uh, the national anthem, you know, you're allowed to do that. And, you know, if you want to make a statement, that's, you know, there should be no issue with that. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's supposed to be uh, what the country is all about. Uh, you know, but for whatever reason, yeah, I don't, you know, social media is also, you know, it's had its negative effects as well. Yeah. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably a part of it too. Now people can't just disagree with, you know, each other. It has to be something wrong with you if you don't think like I think mm-hmm. and agree with what I, I say. So, you know, it's always an argument and never really a solution. Right. And well, how do you think sports can help sort of remedy or be a part of that solution? Because the way that I've always seen sports is that even though we have differences and stuff like that and blah, blah, take like the, the Olympics, for example. That's right. the only time the whole world <laughs> gets together. <laughs> You're right. When it's not about a war or oil or something oh, like boy. that. But we actually have trying to have friendly competition and healthy competition and the whole world is watching. So how do you think something like the Olympics or the NBA or the NFL, things like that can sort of influence that positive change? Uh, that's something they have to continue to work on. Um, you know, the, the Olympics, why it shows a lot of solidarity, you know, it's temporary because the Olympics is a short time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, people do that for whatever it is, a month, and then everything is back to what it was. You know, so it's something, it's efforts you have to continue. You know, the work is never done, you know, from one thing. You have to, sports can bring people together, um, you know, when those games are happening. But, you know, it's really the the things that happens afterwards, you know, and, and just revolving around the sports world, there are a lot of resources, a lot of good people, you know, and a lot of things they actually can do. But that goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. Um you know, in Charles Barkley's statement, I'm not a role model, and those type of things, you have to actually think about that statement. Now you can't say that, you know, because you have a responsibility attached to you because you have all of these people gathering together for what you do. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can be a Kobe Bryant, you know, and you can inspire people and want to bring people together, or you can be a divisive person. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think another question I would have following up with that, with that responsibility, not only voicing a certain um, or influencing this large audience of people, but what's your take on when it comes to how much wealth athletes get? Do you think that they have a responsibility to be to contribute back inside the community? Because people say over and over again, or at least the people that I, I've listened to, they need to contribute back. Um, to the community that they came from and things like that and blah, blah, blah. What's your take on that? Uh, let's see how I can how I can change this around. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can tell you what to do with your money. However, um, you know, it does get to a point where, um, you know, you should think about the avenues that your wealth can uh, open up, right? For, and I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. To make things better, uh, if you look at Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson played at a time where players were making, you know, one, two million tops, you know, mm-hmm. and he's five-time champion, loved the game, uh, you know, had to retire early from HIV, those type of things. But afterwards, you know, his life after the game, you know, he was the very first athlete personally in my life that I've seen and not that he's the only one, but that I've actually seen, you know, here in Los Angeles, where he actually opened up, uh, you know, all of these businesses in the inner city when other people were, they weren't willing. They, they felt that it was too much of a risk. And, you know, he took that risk and it paid off very well, opened up a lot of jobs, you know, 
gave us a lot of tax money as a result, you know, gave people construction jobs, those those different type of things. Movie theater, you know, you kind of follow magic, then you would know. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he 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 really made like his his post career is, is a lot wealthier, you know, just from the things that he'd done that he has done and, and how he has helped so many people than when he played basketball. Mm-hmm. So I think that their wealth, um, you know, can really, when, you, when you're given an opportunity to do things that are bigger than you, you know, those are life purpose type things, you know, and for you to just ignore that is very selfish. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I would say, or at least the last question I have for you is, do you think that people will be able to gather for sporting events again? Or do you even think it'll be offered again? Because I heard that it will, some people were theorizing just to record it all. No, I think it will and be. You think so? <laughs> well, they've already started that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not full stadiums, but they've already started. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the next NBA season starts in December and they're already talking about you know, allowing some fans in, um, mm-hmm. you know, allowing the um, the boxes that they have, the suites, mm-hmm. you know, they're allowing parties to rent out the suites. So, you know, I guess they'll have guidelines. They have to test you. Uh, they have to check your temperature, you know, keep you far enough away from other people, but mm-hmm. still allow some fans in there, but not like it was. Right. Not right now. Yeah. I don't think they're ever going to take live games away. It's a it's a whole different experience actually being there, you know, mm-hmm. than watching it on your TV. Right. Even with COVID, they'll find a way. And then hopefully when there's a vaccine, you know, oh, pretty much. I My guess is that it would go back to normal or how it used to be. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, just just speaking of a vaccine, I don't understand, you know, the whole quarantine thing. If mm-hmm. if everyone would have just listened, uh huh, mm-hmm. uh, yes, we all be already. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't this already be solved? Yeah, like, uh. but we got we got. I don't want to call any people out specifically, but I know some people personally <laughs> who uh don't who still don't think that the virus is is a serious you know or is a problem you know they still think it's just like the flu and they're still going out and hanging out with friends and you know all of that it's like i i don't know how i don't know if it's like misinformation or what or there are just certain people prone to like being that selfish but it's it's pretty it's a it's a pretty huge problem in the united states here so mm-hmm. and like selfishness is like one of is a, a very american ideal <laughs> so i don't know that i don't I don't think it's going to go away with quarantine because there's just so many people who don't care. You know, they just mm-hmm. want to hang out and party during Halloween. Like so many people went partying for Halloween and stuff, wow. you know? So like, I don't, I think as of right now, unfortunately, I think the only solution is, you know, being safe for ourselves and also um, just hopefully, hopefully the vaccine comes out sooner than later. But uh, Absolutely. if it doesn't, this might be this might be the normal and you just have to really watch out for those people that don't you know who are being selfish and not uh being safe for everyone else's sake right yeah it's unfortunate it just seems like there's a group of people who who just don't like the idea of change 
right, to the point that they just won't comply with whatever it might be. Um, if you've known someone who who's contracted the virus and they tell you uh, how it affected them, you know, it would make you think a lot differently about just being reckless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even have a friend in Italy. Uh, we talked when Italy was like the number one place where, you know, the virus was ravaging people. Uh, they handled it much different than we did. You know, we overtook them shortly. It didn't take long at all. Just, you know, people just didn't believe it. People didn't listen. I couldn't under- I have a neighbor who just, he kept having parties anyway. I don't, I stay away from that guy, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, some people, did, they just have to have the company. And I get the isolation part of it. Um, but, it, you know, if it's temporary, it's okay. But we're so, like, the society is just so driven. You just, they just, you know push you to go all the time and tell you never to rest. And, you know, you have to learn how to balance and sit, sit down and just, you know, relax yeah, and calm down and think things through and, you know, sort things out. If you're always on the go, you never get a chance to see the big picture. Yeah. You got to adapt. Right. But it's hard to stop when they're like, yeah, you can stop. But if you stop working, we're not going to help you with your rent and your groceries and your, you know, this. Oh, well, we'll give you $1,500. That's about it, though. So it's it's also takes, yeah, uh, just a little help, a little help. If you want me to stop, then that means that you got to help me stop. So welcome to the United States. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Exactly. See, but that's that's more of a larger issue with leadership because this, this entire thing was handled wrong from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Canada, they gave their citizens money every month, um, you know, and they never suffered as bad badly as, as here in the U.S., um, you know, among other things like their health care and, you know, all those type of things. So, you know, I think leadership is very important, you know, when it comes to serious issues and we definitely have had a leadership crisis for quite a while now. Yeah. You know, and I think personally, that's our biggest issue with a lot of things. Right. Well, with the elephant in the room, the election <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> okay. And how we're literally on the last day or hopefully the last day if Nevada, you know, decides to count the last votes uh, <laughs> tonight. They like to take their time. <laughs> I, I truly don't understand. I was like, what are they counting? Groundhogs? I don't, I don't understand. But um, with the whole two candidates, because I know a lot of people that say, well, I don't like either of them. Right. Um, because there's a lot of backlash with just Biden's history um, right. and what he's done inside the past, and especially during segregation times and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the vice president too, uh, right. and her, yeah, her policies on um, incarceration and what she's done in the state of California. Um, what's your take on it when it comes to the two candidates? And do you find it to be a surprise that it's such a close call when it comes to how how many votes there are for each side? I'm not. I'm not really one to just favor one person over another personally because I, I kind of feel like they're the same if if I could say that um mm-hmm. but um I understand why people you know that did vote for Biden and and Kamala Harris did 
uh, you know, I, I do think it was needful, just my personal opinion, because of the way the country has been divided. You know, we need some semblance of normalcy. Uh, I don't I don't know what they plan on doing or whatever their policies are, you know, if they get in office and after the fact. Right. Because you, you can say whatever you want to say during the campaign trail and then you turn around and do whatever you want to do afterwards. Right. Uh, sorry, what was the second question you asked? Do you think that it's a surprise that it's such a close call? Because I've seen a lot of people on social media like, why is this close? He should have won by a landslide, blah, 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 blah. But oh. it's literally neck and neck. No, I don't. I, I don't find it surprising at all because there are still, this may be mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but um, maybe I won't. But there are still a lot of people, you know, over 30, I would say, um, you know, that still lived in the Jim Crow era, uh, you know, or experienced that type of racism coming up through the civil rights days. Uh, they're still alive. So, you know, those people are not going to change. You know, you do see people, uh, younger people, different generation, think things differently. They look at things differently. Um, you know, they have a different opinion, you know, even getting into confrontation. But there are still a lot of people there that are, they're just kind of stuck in the past. You know, it's sad. It's sad when someone just, you know, they want to tell you, hey, I just want to be equal. And you're like, nah, that's okay. Like, right. I don't even want that for you. That's right. that's definitely a problem. But just unfortunately, there are a lot of people now. They're just going to have to die off with the way that they think, um, you know, for things to change. Because those people are are in positions, you know, at the moment. Right. And well, I know that a huge argument is like, well, let's just wait for that generation to die off. Mm -hmm. But I know that, well, actually two arguments. Uh, one argument says that, well, that's not necessarily the right way to go about it and solve the issue at hand. It's sort of like sweeping it under the rug again and saying it'll resolve itself. Um, and then the other argument is that racism isn't inherited, it's taught. So. True you do see like a lot of young people, 17, 16, 17, who are like really racist racist right. and are proud of it because of who their parents are and who their grandparents are and what they learned. Um, what would you say is the first step in order to break that cycle? I think everyone, you know, <clears throat> when you have, um, you know, say you have a child, right? And you only have one parent telling that child, um, you know, don't put your hand on the stove or whatever the case may be. That child is going to look at that one parent as the bad guy because that one parent is the only one always saying something, right? So everyone kind of has to pitch in. It's not, I don't, when I say, you know, for that, the ideals of that generation to die off, that's not a passive statement in the fact that let's just wait and let them go. You know, you have to always work toward the goal. People always have to work together, um, you know, to make it happen. Because it's as as we can see now, there are more people, I guess, you know, fed up with the way things have been going than than how it is the other way, you know. And the momentum that people have now, they have to carry it over because I notice people are too reactive, right? They'll they'll come together for disasters and different things like that, you know, if it's a tragedy. But you know, otherwise, don't I don't really want to bother with you, you know. And we we have to stop being like that. You know, people have to care about each other for real, you know, to make it work, because that's 
really the the root of it all. You know, you don't have any love for people, you know, and you just you just have to continue to work together. I don't, you just can't stop. You know, people have to stop being so reactive and actually work to get things done together. And uh, I just for whatever reason, we're just missing that part. Mm-hmm. You just are, you know, and it's not it's not right to say it's not affecting me. So I don't care because some way or another, it will affect you sooner or later if you don't say anything. Right. Yeah. I think that's an excellent way to put it. Just have to be more cognizant about it. And hopefully, with this little jump scare for the election, it wakes people up and um, they actually start thinking (laughs) about the consequences of the decision. Um, But with that said, I know that we're at the end um, of our recording right now um, because Zoom is about to say, all right, well, you don't have to go home. you know, can't stay here. So um, I did want to thank you for your time. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for joining us and mm-hmm. for dealing with all the technical difficulties. <laughs> that was so bad. I'm so sorry about that. No, thank you guys for having me. I totally appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I'm actually enjoying myself. So uh, I had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, well, yeah. maybe we'll have you again in the future sometime. And then we when won't have any wanna, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look post forward definitely. to it, man. Uh, or maybe I a post. To it. Yeah. Like a post-election, post-COVID, how it sports are now today. How oh, oh that would be yeah. interesting. Yeah. The differences between sports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I add something else to that? Um, yeah. yeah. We, I don't know if you have a timer, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, during this entire time with the with the uh, protests and the riots and different things, there were a lot of companies saying, you know, we need to change things, you know, we need to do better. Um, you know, we need to we need to add more diversity. Uh, that's another thing that we need to uh, hold to people's feet, right? Because again, it was very reactive, you know, in the in the heat of the moment, you know, a lot of corporations said this or they just put up a sign or whatever the case was, but you know, you have to hold people accountable and, and make them follow through. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe, uh, speaking of video games, I believe uh, Phil Spencer, who is the head of the Xbox division of Microsoft, um, mm-hmm. he just recently did an interview about that. You know, and he talked about um, representing more minorities in Xbox because there are, if, if you don't know, the gaming industry has almost no Black people, uh, no Latin people for the most part. You know, it's mainly white and Asian. You know, there are little opportunities to get into gaming. Uh, if you ask a person, they probably have no idea how mm-hmm. they could even get started or what it takes. Um, you know, it's not something that's presented to people. So, and this is the this is the craziest thing. Uh, there was a guy named Jerry Lawson. Uh, he's a black man. He was mm-hmm. actually the first person to create a, a video game uh, console. Mm-hmm. It's a long, long time ago, uh, back in the 70s, right? And you would never know that because you don't really see anyone that looks like Jerry around anywhere. Mm-hmm. So Phil Spencer, uh, you know, he knows about this, but, you know, he he just recently did an interview speaking about uh, being able to hire more Black talent, um, you know, get people in more management positions. And, and because it's like going to college, um, you know, or at least for me, when I went to college, I, I thought it was so great because I was able to be around so many other people 
and it just opened up everything for me. Like mm-hmm. I just felt like the world just opened up. Um, you know, which is why I can't understand why I don't think you're necessary because you're not like me. It, it just it just makes you a better person altogether. You know, and people people have ideas and different things that you don't have. So um, you know, it's something that he said that he'll continue to pursue, you know, and I think um that is one way people can start to um, see more changes, you know, have people in better management positions, not because of their color or ethnicity or whatever, but, you know, I don't think anyone is really out there looking for that type of, um, really, they're not out there actively looking for that type of diversity, you know, in places where they, they don't really know the impact of it, you know, but they're not trying either. So, you know, they spoke a few words and they felt like that was enough, but someone needs to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Are there any uh, online resources that we could send people to, to uh, if they're interested in uh, doing what you do and uh, getting involved? Uh, you mean as far as gaming is concerned? Yeah. Like, it, like I know we know a few, we have a few friends who like studied uh, video game programming in college and stuff and they're, I think they'd be very interested in in knowing um, how they could get involved in this industry that's so uh, that seems so uh, elusive. <laughs> I think I think a lot of gaming now, um, a lot of lucrative gaming is in mobile games. Mm. Um, gaming has a lot of online aspects and microtransactions that actually started from uh, the mobile side. You know, once Candy Crush was successful, everyone jumped on it. So the video game industry has been growing as probably like a trillion dollar industry at this point, you know, which is really unheard of because it's, it's growing and growing and growing. But mobile games are very uh, popular right now. And that's definitely an area I was looking to getting into, you know, not even necessarily trying to focus on the console right in the beginning because a lot of games do start either just on PC as an indie game or start off as a mobile game and then they work them, them, themselves up. Um, you know, you don't really hear the stories from a lot of people, but, you know, it happens that way for a lot of folks in the industry, programmers, you know, those type of things, or they become engineers, you know, the guys that really do all the real heavy work, um, you know, but they don't mind doing it that way, right? That answer your question? Yeah. That definitely answers I'm going to have to send my friends your way and have them listen to this because right. I think they'll have a lot to get out of it. And Because uh, I know a lot of, especially now with COVID, a lot of us are lost because of uh, it's just so challenging to find work right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, But, you know, the, the video game industry actually never slowed down. Mm-hmm. And, um, when you think about it, the one thing that almost everyone has is a cell phone in their hand all the time. Yeah. Right. So you have to find a way to to uh, get their attention because, you know, this is something that they're using every day all of the time. Right. So that's one way you can get to people because I don't for whatever reason, people like mobile games. They, they, they look really good now. Some of them look as good as, you know, maybe your PS4, some of the PS4 games. Um, you know, just just the way you play and the button touches and the sliding across the screen, if you can get used to doing that, you know, you're gold. But mobile games make a lot of money, a lot. 
So I'm kind of surprised it doesn't come up more. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's true. I get those quick dopamine rushes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Small Majority. Oh, wait, it's almost February 19th. This is huge. Y'all, did you know that February 19th is the day Executive Order 9066 was signed in 1942? That's when innocent Japanese Americans were forced into concentration camps in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. That's right. We've got a bonus episode coming up this Friday with Yukio Shimomura a former prisoner from the Japanese-American concentration camps during World War II, where we talk about the current hate crimes happening around the U.S. and how they relate to America's haunting past. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.